When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mehrban Iranshad. Hey everybody, this is Mehrban. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. And as you heard in the intro, we have a special Q&A edition. I get a lot of questions from you, the audience, through email or if you fill out uh, surveys that I send on occasion. I just really want to figure out what it is that is hampering your progress and to do my best to try to help you based on my experiences or from what I've learned from you know the hundreds of experts that I've interviewed on the podcast or had present on the summits, which uh, the fifth one is coming up in April on April 19th is when it's going to start so really excited but I picked uh, about eight uh eight questions that I think were really good and that I would like to answer on the podcast today and let's just get started so the first one is from Dima a 4.0 player and Dima asked getting my forehand to have pace and penetrate through the court is my issue my shots seem to just float over the net. So great question, Dima. Appreciate it. So I would give you a few pieces of advice for getting a forehand that has more pace and that penetrates the court. First, look at your footwork. Are you getting in a stable, balanced position with your feet set in the right position to allow you to generate power from the ground up? That is a big question you've got to ask yourself. Uh, A lot of people go straight to the technique and what they're doing with their arms and hands and whatnot. But the first place you want to look at is your footwork. Uh, Because a lot of times we might not have our feet set. So therefore, we won't be able to generate uh, power from the ground up. So check that out first. And then assuming that your footwork is in good shape, Then you'd want to examine your forehand technique. Uh, One thing in particular that I find that should be fixed uh, on the forehand technique of a lot of players is the unit turn. So Dima, check out your unit turn. Maybe have a friend uh, record a few forehands uh, and feel free to to post it and uh, link me up to it. But you want to check that your unit turn is being executed properly because this is a big um, flaw, I would say, in in players' forehand technique and also other strokes as well. And the key question to ask is whether you are leading your unit turn with your hips and shoulders, which is the proper way to do it, or are you initiating the unit turn with your arms? And a lot of players intuitively think that the ball, you know, is hit with by swinging their arms. So naturally they're going to move their arm first and that what is what initiates a lot of players strokes. But if you examine the most technically efficient players, their upper body is actually extremely quiet and their movement is 
wholly a byproduct. Uh, their their upper body is is a byproduct of how their lower body is moving. So it's really their hips and shoulders leading what their upper body is doing in a sense. So once you have your footwork and your unit turn in good shape, the next place I would look at is, are you utilizing weight transfer properly? So are you loading the back foot and then are you transferring the weight forward into your shot? A lot of players, they end up leaning backwards on their forehands. And, you know, th- this is obviously acceptable in certain cases. Of course, if the shot is being hit very hard right at you, you may have to lean backwards a little bit. But uh, for the most part, you really want to be the one who is being aggressive with your shots and loading that back foot and then transferring the weight forward. I like to use the phrase load and explode. So think about that when you want to get more pace and penetration into the court. And so, you know, once you look at the footwork and the technique, then you also want to couple that with using targets. This is very helpful as well. And what I mean by this is aiming. So you want to First off, try aiming higher above the net because that is going to get you the depth that you want. And then you also want to aim deeper into the court. And so, uh, you know, relatedly, you want to practice with purpose. So you're saying that this is an issue for you. So it all starts on the practice court. Uh, Really, it starts with planning first. So you want to plan your practices Uh, You want to be very intentional about them, and in your case, Dima, make shot depth your primary goal when you practice. So set up some cones a few feet from the opposing baseline and aim there, and that would be a great drill for you to practice uh, your depth. So just kind of to recap again, look at your footwork, and then Look at your forehand technique and and check out those problem areas that I talked about, like the unit turn and the weight transfer, and then use targets, aim deeper into the court and higher above the net, and then practice with purpose, set up those targets and aim there. And even more so, you want to add some accountability, perhaps, when you are hitting to those targets you know, with your practice partner, set up cones for them as well. And then the first one to hit the cone, the other person does push up. So this adds intensity and accountability to ensure that you are really uh, intense about that training there. So I hope this uh, advice helps you out, Dima, and gets you to four, five and beyond. Uh, Now, John, a 2.5 player asks, or comments, I have many flaws, but I would say the serve and the backhand are the main improvement areas in my game. So, I mean, first off, the ideal advice is always predicated upon what your ultimate goal is in tennis. So, you know, what level do you want to get to? Are you fine being at a 3-0, 3-5, or even a 2-5, or do you want to, you know, level up your game, get to a 4-5 and 5-0 and beyond? So, but let's assume that, you know, you're 2-5 now and you want to get to like a 4 or 4-5 level. So I'll give you some of the most common problem areas to work on with your serve and your backhand. So with the serve, the first one, especially at this 2-5-3-0 level and even 3-5 level, is the grip. So you're going to be extremely limited in variety and power 
that you can produce if you do not use a continental grip or some sort of slight variation of that grip. So a lot of players are using the pancake grip and, you know, certainly you've probably heard this advice a good amount if you're a podcast listener, uh, you know, of the Tennis Falls podcast. But, you know, I asked, I think it was Kevin Garlington on a recent podcast episode, it might have been 184, and he said that, you know, of all the serve issues, it's still the grip that is the number one issue with his players. And I definitely still see this. So you, know, you want to start with that that proper grip, that continental or slight variation to give you the most potential for your serve so you, that you can hit uh, spin on your serve and you can, uh, you know, hit slice top spin flat. With the pancake grip, it's very, very limiting, and you can just pretty much hit flat serves and just tap them over the net. So the next problem area, uh, very common for players, is the toss. So toss consistency is crucial. So pay attention to your toss location relative to the type of serve you're trying to hit. And so what I mean is that for the vast, vast majority of players, and you'll even see pros do this, it's fine to vary the toss location, but they have to be consistent in the confines of what type of serve you want to hit. So if you want to hit a flat serve or a slice serve, toss it around one o'clock. If you want to hit a topspin serve, you cannot toss it at one o'clock. You need to toss it around 11 o'clock or so. And this is if you're a righty, obviously uh, reverse this serve technique or toss technique if you're a lefty. And uh, another tip with the toss, uh, sometimes it helps to to shorten the distance of the toss. And in fact, Novak Djokovic, if you watch him toss the ball, he he starts tossing the ball, I think, around his his waist almost. And then he releases it at eye level, which is uh, the you know, the, the preferred and common method of all great uh, serve tossers. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right term, but anyway, ball tossers. But yeah, so try shortening the distance because sometimes the the longer duration of and, and path of the toss, like if you're starting way low, like by your knees or something like that, there's more room for error there. So uh, shorten your toss and you'll probably have a more consistent Serve toss, super important. Next would be the unit turn again. So I talked about this on the forehand, but also for the serve, uh, you really want to have this hips and shoulders to lead your unit turn. And then once you get that unit turn intact, then you want to make sure you're loading the back foot and transferring the weight up towards the ball uh, after that. And, uh, Think of yourself as a shot putter, Dr. Mark Kovacs. It's great advice uh, if you can visualize it the way that a shot putter loads and then unloads their body. Uh, that's kind of what the serve should be like. And for you, John, I would personally start with mastering one type of serve until you get it down pat. You know, as a 2-5, I imagine that you still have a good amount of room for growth for your topspin serve or your slice serve or your flat serve, I would start either with the topspin serve or the slice serve. And actually, in fact, uh, which I, I didn't think, I, I thought that Kevin 
Garlington, who I just mentioned a few minutes ago, you know, when I asked him what serve players should start learning first, he actually suggested the slice serve. And I thought he would say the topspin serve because it gives you the most net clearance and whatnot. But uh, he made a great point that it is easier to execute the slice serve. And it's also great because it can take players off the court, especially uh, obviously on the do side if you're a righty and then the ad side if you're a lefty. But that gives you that great one-two punch where you're slicing players off the court and then you are heading to the opposite corner. And if for whatever reason they're super fast, then you can hit behind them. But the slice serve might be the serve to start with. John, uh, but you know, you could try, try a little bit of both out uh, and then depending on whichever one you feel comfortable with, you can start on one, but, uh, definitely just keep going at that particular serve that you start learning first and stick with it. And then once you get that down at a solid level, then you can try mixing in another type of serve. Uh, but flat, I probably would choose last personally. So yeah, that's my advice on the serve. Now for the backhand, John, I have a few different tips. So uh, like the forehand, you want to get into good position with the proper footwork and execute a good racket turn or sorry, a good unit turn. Uh, it's very interesting. I mean, when I examined my forehand versus my two-handed backhand, couple years back, it was really interesting to see how some of the basic fundamentals like my footwork and my unit turn were executed much better on my forehand than my backhand. So you might think that you're doing well on those basic aspects, but definitely record your technique there and check that out uh, because you might be surprised. And another thing that I found out that was very illuminating is I was much tighter on my backhand side in terms of having my arms being tight and my just my body overall. So I would also uh, stay loose uh, on your backhand and that way it'll allow for enough racket drop, which will allow you to get more power and more topspin. So look out for that and then pick bigger targets in the court to hit to, to increase your consistency, kind of like the advice on uh, picking targets uh, that I mentioned earlier uh, with your forehand, you know, you can increase your backhand consistency if you pick these bigger targets and you're not aiming for the lines, you know, just aim deep and then, you know, not too far off the, to the, to either side of the court. So I hope that helps you. John, and let's move on to the next question. This one is from Nikki, a 3-5 player. And Nikki says, my biggest challenge in tennis is consistency and strength. I feel like I lack the power to make effortless shots and it really runs down my stamina. It's really hard to be consistent also because I'm not able to play often and I feel like my tennis hit a wall. It's like every time I'm at practice, there's one stroke that I'm always messing up, usually the backhand. So Nikki, you mentioned that you aren't able to play much tennis, but can you find 15 to 30 minutes to improve your fitness? Because you mentioned how your stamina is being run down. I mean, if you can just find these 15 to 30 minutes to improve your fitness, then it would really help that aspect of your game. And as we all know, we need to water. Well, I don't know if this is the right uh, comparison, but uh, you know, you basically need to water all sides of the plant 
in order to be successful in tennis. So you can't let, you know, your fitness get run down. Even if you have the other aspects of tennis, like your technique and your mental game, if you always tire out in matches, you know, I mean, that's not going to do you that much good. And the same if you have one other particular part of the game that is lacking, like the mental game, even if you're super fit and you have great technique, but your mental game is very weak, then things aren't going to go well for you. So, um, yeah, I would just say uh, try and figure out, you know, because especially these days, a ton of people are doing fitness programs at home. And I have friends uh, like Dean Hollingworth, Dominic King, uh, great tennis fitness experts who are consulting with their players and having their players do these these fantastic workouts at home. Actually, if you Google Tennis Summit Dean Hollingworth live stream or something to that effect, and I'll link it in the show notes, you can find us doing a a live workout. And we're going to do another live workout. So I hope that can help you. But check out the one from last year's summit uh, to give you some ideas. I also have a YouTube video on a leg strength workout routine. And so in particular, I, I um, suggest exercises with unilateral leg components to it. So like lunges and Bulgarian split squats, these exercises, they work, you know, one leg uh, more than the other. So that is really great because you're going to be on one leg or the other a lot of the time in tennis. So uh, I, I would really... See if you can just find 15 to 30 minutes to uh, to work on that fitness. Also, I mean, relatedly, and as far as working out at home, you can work on shadow swings. And, you know, I've had shadow swings uh, dismissed by a couple people that have emailed me, which uh, I don't agree with. <laughs> I don't think many coaches agree with dismissing shadow swings because they are extremely helpful. Uh, and, you know, this is something where you can practice your technique, practice your footwork with shadow swing. So again, that's another thing that you don't have to be on the court for to actually do that will help your tennis game. Uh, Also, uh, review the earlier advice, uh, Nikki, that I mentioned about using your hips and shoulders to generate more efficient power. Uh, You also do want to relax your body because the more relaxed you are, the more power that you can generate because uh, you you mentioned that you feel like you lack power to make effortless shots. So again, you know, being more relaxed, uh, having uh, workouts that uh, improve your strength and power are are all going to really feed into to your success in terms of uh, improving upon the questions that you raised today, which I really appreciate. And just overall, you know, if your backhand is really what is giving you the most trouble, you need to sit down and create a practice plan to improve your backhand. You've got to figure out what is causing you problems on that stroke and then make a plan to improve it. And then most importantly, implement that plan. You know, I recently heard a great piece of advice in a book that I was reading, uh, non-tennis related, and it said... If you gain knowledge, but you don't act on it, it's the same as not having any knowledge because what good is the knowledge? So anyways, main thing for you, uh, create a practice plan and figure out ways that you can improve even if it's not on the court. And believe me, even even 10, 15 minutes of shadow swings or fitness can really make a big difference. 
And also, uh, you know, of course, when you do have that practice time on the court, really practice with intensity. Uh, realize that you don't have much time uh, weekly to practice. And so make the most out of those practice sessions. The next question is from Mark, a 4-0 player. And Mark says, I can't find its definitive technical advice on how I can create more spin on the serve to give more shapes, less consistency. Some say pronate more, others say hit up more. I'm pretty sure I'm doing all the basics correctly. And to be honest, it's a powerful serve, but I just need more technical knowledge of how I can create more spin and how to practice that. I'm only at a club level, but motivated to put the work in. Loving the podcast, by the way. Thank you, Mark, for the question and the kind comment. So I have a, f- a few tips for you to uh, to create more topspin here. So I think I have four tips in mind. So anyways, the first tip is to toss more to the left if you're not doing that yet. Uh, assuming you're a righty, and again, reverse for if you're a lefty, toss more to the right. Because that is going to enable you to get that left to right brushing action, which is really, really important. Uh, you know, there there are some incredible servers who, you know, they're hitting these ridiculous topspin serves and they're tossing it, you know, at one o'clock. They have the same toss regardless of the serve. You know, I did a uh, commentary recently on Serena Williams serve for the post game shout out to them and you know she tosses the ball at the same place so it's unpredictable but for 99.5% of us we don't need to be doing that we can uh, toss to the left and you know even if the opponent knows what serve is coming it's still going to give them a lot of trouble and it's hard to even see that most opponents don't pay attention to where you're tossing it anyway so I would toss it to the left to to facilitate that the top spin on the serve. Uh, and then another tip here is to hit the ball when it's when it's on its way down because if you hit uh, try to hit the ball at its apex, which is at the highest point of the toss and try to create top spin, you can't really do that. Uh, I think this was a tip from who is it tops. might have been top speed tennis. I forget exactly who it was. But anyways, you know, like I said, try if you're having trouble hitting spin on the ball to let the ball drop a little bit. And then that way you can hit more up on the serve and brush up more and get that top spin. Another tip that has helped me quite a bit, uh, almost an epiphany, is to stay sideways or parallel to the baseline as long as possible. Because most people and me included, have, this, have an issue of opening up too early. Uh, and by opening up, I mean, uh, you know, turning towards the court, turning our body towards the court. And when you do that, then you cannot uh, have that, that full left to right or right to left, depending on what, uh, whether you're lefty or righty, that, that, that swing path that you need to, to execute to have a proper topspin or kick serve. So stay sideways as long as you can, uh, and that will help you a lot to create more topspin. And then, of course, the grip. So this is the is this the fifth tip. Maybe, maybe I had five, five tips. But you need a continental grip again or a variation of it to create the spin. I suspect, Mark, that you probably have this grip but uh, maybe you don't. So double check that grip. 
and make sure you have the right one to facilitate the topspin serve. All right, question number five. Uh, Scott, a 3-5 player, and the question is very brief, but basically uh, Scott is having uh, trouble swinging freely and wants to figure out how he can improve upon his mental game to be able to do just that. So I have several pieces of advice for you, uh, Scott. I mean, first off, you don't want to think about the results because that's going to hamper your ability to play to your potential and execute your game plan. You really want to instead focus on long-term improvement. You don't want to care about short-term games gains while you're playing because those often come at the expense of your long-term development. You know, quick story for me is that as a junior, especially in the 14s and 16s, I was so wrapped up in rankings and trying to win every match and uh, maintain my ranking or improve it uh, as a junior that I neglected to develop the big weapons that I needed to really maximize my career potential. You know, things like a big serve, a big forehand. Uh, And this caused players that I used to beat by being more consistent than them to eventually beat me, which obviously was not a great feeling. You know, I, I, I had beaten them in the 14s and the 16s and all of a sudden in the 18s, you know, I'm, I'm trying to execute the same, uh, just get every ball back strategy. And, you know, these players are serving me and uh, off the court and hitting me off the court. So, you know, that that's just goes to show that you do want to uh, focus on the long-term gain. And, you know, another thing to keep in mind is you want to develop a game plan before your matches, and then you want to focus on executing that game plan rather than on winning. It's totally fine to have a goal of uh, winning a tournament or even having a goal of, you know, obviously being victorious in matches. But once you start playing, you instead want to focus on each and every point one at a time and then and then executing a game plan, you know. Like, let's say you have a very simple game plan of I want to exploit a player's weakness and they, you know, their backhand's weak. Then you want to figure out different point constructions and point patterns to allow you to exploit that backhand. Uh, The problem is that if you are thinking about how badly you want to win, then you're going to forget about that plan and you're going to start getting nervous and then you won't be able to swing freely. So... Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much my advice on that, Scott. And also kind of a neat trick is I remember a a coach when I was young said that he would tell his his son to purposefully try to hit uh, three balls into the back fence, (laughs) you know, if they felt like they were getting tight. So that's an interesting one that you might want to try as well. All right. Thanks for uh, the question, Scott. Number six here, are there ways to anticipate a ball from your opponent, especially against one that always goes for low margin shots, making your court positioning a difficult task? And this is from Dimple, a 4-0 player, and I think I've seen you on Instagram as well, so shout out to you. Um, So uh, a few things, I mean, just generally with anticipation, uh, you want to pay attention to things like the opponent's uh, balance when they're hitting the shot, their positioning on the court, and their shot tendencies. These types of things will help you anticipate where the ball is going. But, you know, I would like to say that if the player is 
always going for low margin shots uh, while you can anticipate those low margin shots and set yourself up to be in position for them. I mean, I would say this is a great situation because you do want your opponents to be going for uh, for these low percentage shots, you know, like uh, if you are stretching them out wide and then they're going for that down the line. I mean, that's that's great because they're not going to make that shot that frequently. I mean, by definition, that is, uh, you know, a low margin shot means that you're not making it that many times. I mean, unless you're having a really good day. So I, you know, I would say depending on how much, really how much risk they're they're taking here, and how successful the frequency of success with these shots, you may not have to worry too much about uh, anticipating the low margin shots. But like I said, if it is really a problem, which it sounds like, I guess it, it's been a problem for you, then, you know, you want to think out there, okay, what is the low margin shot? Like if they're stretched out wide, the low margin shot is they're going to try to go for a down the line winner. So let me position myself so that I can I'd be able to get to that ball. Uh, so hopefully that helps. It's just really a thinking game, a chess game, and figuring out your opponent's tendencies and then being able to to counter that. All right. Thanks for that one, Dipple. A uh, question from Anonymous. That's a cool name. No, I'm kidding. I don't have a name. But uh, this is from a 3-5 player. Uh, and they're having trouble with their concentration, particularly they're lifting the bo- their eyes from the ball too early. So just a couple tips here. I mean, one, in terms of the concentration aspect overall, I'm a big fan of meditation because it helps you to refocus back on the present. And in tennis, there's going to always be situations where uh, you're gonna, your mind is going to wander or think about a a previous point, or you're going to get a little bit ticked off at a, you know, an easy unforced error that you might have made, but you really need to just refocus on the game plan that you have hopefully created, as I had mentioned uh, a couple of tips ago. And so by practicing meditation and then bringing that skill onto the court, that's going to help you out with that, with your uh, concentration. And in terms of lifting your eyes from the ball too early, uh, <laughs> You know, I could give the simple answer of then don't lift your eyes from the ball too early. But uh, I mean, this advice is almost really that. But I had this problem, especially on my forehand where, you know, my forehand is is quite whippy. So I would sometimes end up having my, uh, I guess, turning, whipping my head as well and having my eyes leave the ball too early as well. So one trick is to commit to leaving your eyes at the contact point for an extra half a second or so. And just try that. And again, you know, be very intentional in your practices and do that. And then uh, even try to do that in matches as well. And if you keep your eyes at the contact point, just for a a little bit longer than usual, that will help you get used to uh, not lifting your eyes from the ball too early, which will help a lot with your consistency. So that is a very important skill to have, and I appreciate you bringing that up, Anonymous 3-5 player. All right, question number eight, the last one for today, is regarding uh, the serve. So I, and actually more importantly, how to improve it. Uh, anyway, let me just read it. <laughs> so Rob, a 4 player, 
commented, I need to improve my serve, smooth it out, and make it more consistent. I have several serving courses, but I haven't been able to make it work for me yet. So in a lot of cases, there's a problem of information overload where there's, you know, too many, um, you know, just too much information out there. And when we can keep researching all we want, but if we don't figure out a system for for implementing what we learn, then it's it's not going to be very helpful. So, I mean, what you want to do, Rob, is is a self-assessment. We always need to self-assess um, for whatever part of our game it, it is that we want to improve. So, you know, analyze your serve, videotape it, and then start from the beginning of the serve, step by step. You know, your, your stance, your grip, where your weight is distributed from the start, your unit turn, uh, backswing, everything. Figure out what part of your serve, starting from the beginning, is giving you trouble. Right, so it goes step by step. And then identify that, that part of the serve and then create a plan to improve that part of your serve until it becomes second nature. So, you know, let's have an example here. Where okay, you're going through. All right, I've got a continental grip. Great. I'm. I've got a platform stance. My feet are in the proper position. Great. Okay. All right. Let's look. Oh wow. I'm actually uh, swinging my arms, uh, letting that do all the work, and my my hips and shoulders have barely moved any. They haven't rotated. All right. So now it looks like I need to work on the unit turn. I will concentrate on a proper unit turn when I practice my serves three times a week. Block that in the calendar or however, whatever frequency you, you can do and work on that repeatedly until you feel that you, have, you can properly execute that unit turn, uh, technically correct, pretty much uh, in your sleep. And this obviously will vary depending on the person. So we can't give you like a cookie cutter formula like, oh, do this for three weeks and you're good. I mean, some people will take longer, some people will uh, take less time, but you, you concentrate on that. So once this aspect or whatever aspect of the serve that you've worked on first uh, becomes second nature, work on the next problem. Maybe that next problem is, for example, sinking the racket drop with pushing up with the legs. Maybe you're dropping the racket too early and then you push up with your legs afterwards. Big tip from Rick Macy that uh, really robs people of power. Then you figure out how to practice that and work on that with uh, consistency until that becomes automatic and so on and so on until your serve is in a good place. So, you know, even again, like with these serve courses, go through them, you know, maybe let's say, like we said, you have unit turn issues, go to that module for each of them, try out what the instructors say. I, I'm, you know, I, I'd imagine that a lot of it is very similar. Uh, and yeah, just, just, it's a step-by-step process. Really have to commit to the long term. I mean, the worst thing you can do is, is try something a few times, get frustrated and quit. Uh, you know, as long as you're learning from, uh, from reputable instructors, uh, and, and that give good information, then, uh, then, just follow that course uh, and, you know, feel free to email me and uh, I'll give you some tips there. So, alrighty then, that is it for this episode. I think we covered a good amount of information. 
uh, on forehand power and depth, second serve consistency, concentration tips, how to go about fixing this, you know, a serve step by step or really any part, you know, any, any ground stroke. Uh, and I really hope that you got a lot of value from this episode. And if you did, I would love it if you would leave a review or rating or both for the Tennis Files podcast. Just go to tennisfiles.com slash Apple Podcasts or do that. Uh, leave a review or rating or both in your favorite podcast app that you use to listen to the show. Much appreciated. Uh, it would really help the show out. And, um, you know, if you found this episode helpful, uh, we share it with a friend. You know, that's what we want. We want just as many people as possible to benefit from the advice that I've learned through tough experience and from interviewing hundreds of uh, great coaches and pros. Uh, I actually have arranged an interview with uh, Ilya Marchenko, uh, you know, really great pro, just beat Andy Murray to win a title. And uh, yeah, I got some exciting announcements coming down the pike for the summit. I got uh, a really great lineup uh, and, and a coach that uh, is a legend that I haven't had on the summit before. So we'll let you know about that soon. Uh, and yeah, all the resources that I mentioned on the show will be at tennisfiles.com slash 187 for this episode. And if you want to uh, get you know the latest updates from me, uh, I keep it very uh, value driven and and personal, and uh, you know we have a lot of fun with the emails that I send out. Uh, I send you know my latest podcast episodes, uh, latest YouTube videos, latest news on the summit, and just straight up uh, tennis tips. And go to tennisfiles dot com and subscribe to uh, my newsletter. Many many thousands of players have done that, and coaches as well. So. Join in on the Tennis Files fam community. I'd like to leave you with a quote as I often like to do at the end of the show. And this one is by Unknown. So I apologize for not knowing who said this, but it's a good quote. It is hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. Love this one. It's really important to, to encounter hardships and figure out a way to overcome them and succeed in spite of them and use them as uh, stepping stones to bigger and better things. So when you lose a match, figure out what you did wrong and also what you did well and, uh, and implement those, those things that you need to work on in your next practices. And, you know, eventually you'll be successful. And if you keep doing that and keep improving just a little bit each and every day, then you will have a fantastic tennis career and life and really improve a lot more than you thought. And it's all with these little, little small steps. All right. Well, that is it for me. This is Mirban Aranshad signing out and I will see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit tennisfiles.com.